welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. One of my great heroes, as most of you will definitely know if you've come here more than two weeks, is the woman in Samaria by the well. And uh, I love her story. Orthodox church history tells us, or at least they give her the name Fotini. It probably wasn't her name at the time since it's a Greek name and it means... Uh, illuminator or, or light, uh, but it was this woman that Jesus sat next to in a town where religion said that's not where you're supposed to be, uh, next to a woman and he shouldn't have been sitting next to her, next to this lady and he asked her for a drink and there occurs this powerful encounter. The woman really should have, could have taken offense and just left because this religious man was starting to talk to her. She had enough of religion by then. This is why she was out collecting water in the day. She felt rejected by her town. She felt rejected by everyone. She'd had many husbands. She'd gone through the rejection of divorce because she wouldn't have divorced the men because the culture of that time, it was the men that divorced the woman. So she had got all that rejection of all these different men that had been with her. She'd got the shame upon her of different partners, uh, particularly the shame of that time uh, of living with a man who was not her husband. So she was sleeping with a man, and yet this religious man sat down next to her and talked to her. And it blew her mind. This was not what she was expecting. They did have some difficult conversation. Jesus himself brought up the, the, the issue of, of her many husbands and who she was living with right at that time. But, and she got to ask some of her religious questions about what should we do in worship, where should we be, what should go on. But the crux of the matter was she listened to Jesus and something changed in her life. Jesus impacted her life because what she does next we, we can lose it because it's just there in the text of the Bible. But she does something completely remarkable. Because having encountered Jesus, she doesn't just passively receive Jesus and think, oh, lovely, he's given me a lovely word. I'm, I'm all clean. You know, she, she's got something and she's running with it. The, the meeting with God, hearing from God, being a Christian, being part of, of the work of God is never passive. It's never just to feel good. It's never just to bless us. It's not just to make us rich or anything like that. It's to give us a purpose, a passion, and an ability that will change society around us. But society itself tries to push you back into a box, and it's labeled you throughout your life. I don't know what labels you've got on your life. This lady had many labels on hers. And they're not nice labels, but the people that were around her, is presuming the men that she'd had as husbands were living in this town of Sikor, and they were still speaking what a terrible woman she was over her. She had had a lifetime of negativity and abuse from men, mostly, and therefore from also the religion of the time, which was dominated by men. And then this man comes and says, could you get me some water, please? She thinks, what's he doing asking me for help? But that is not the point of what I'm saying today. Because she does this remarkable thing. 
she becomes the first town-wide evangelist. There's never been an evangelist for Jesus that spoke to a town about Jesus before, on their own. And she is so successful in telling people about Jesus, it says that the entire town turn up to come and listen to him. That, that's success. We could do with some of that in Scarborough. But look, this woman has not been to college. Although we appreciate getting degrees and qualifications in God, absolutely, it's, a, it's important. Who knows what she did after this? We don't know much about what she did. Church history says that she went to other towns with her children and her children became evangelists and they led people to the Lord all over the place. But here in the Bible, we just have a, a snapshot of this woman who has been spoken negatively over all her life, who's been subject to abuse all her life. She would have not been really a happy bunny, to put it mildly, very mildly. And yet something in the encounter with Jesus affects her in such a way, she says, I am now going to go and talk to these abusers. I am now going to go and talk to this town that has rejected me. I am now going to go and talk to this town that has labelled me. I'm going to go and talk to this town of negativity, not to judge them, but to tell them about the Jesus, the Messiah is here. And you know what? They wouldn't have been happy initially because he was Jewish. He was a rabbi. He was the last thing they wanted in this Samaritan town. There was a great rivalry between Samaritans and Jews. And here is this woman of disrepute telling the town, come and meet a Jewish rabbi. He's told me everything I ever did. They probably thought, I don't want him to tell me everything I ever did. I don't want it public knowledge. I don't want somebody saying, you, you did this. But something in what had happened in her caused those people to go and listen and engage with Jesus. And that's what they do. He spends three whole days there. And look, at the end of it, it says that they, it says, because of his words, that's the words of Jesus, many more became believers. That's the words of Jesus caused many more to become believers. Many more. What does that mean? There was already a whole bunch of believers that had believed the woman who he was. That's exciting. This unqualified, uneducated, this woman who's not equipped, who's only just had a first encounter with Jesus, is out just telling people. Because she knows what she's got is full of life. But the world won't let you jump out there full of life. It, will, it, it tends to get marked. It tends to get back in your box. Get back in your box, you poor person. Get back in your box, you Scarborian. Get back in your box, you little Londoner from the northern suburbs. That's me. Get back in it. You, you don't have a, a right to talk to anybody. You've got a message that's out of kilter with political correctness. Shut up. But you know what? Through our Jesus encounter, something is rising up. That something is the boldness and the courage and the passion of Jesus. We've had enough of being told to get back in your box. Get back in your box. We don't need that. They need it. They need to hear of this love and acceptance that would sit down next to this woman, not to judge her, not to condemn her, but to enable her to step up from that well into freedom and become someone who she had never dreamed she would be, somebody who others listen to about the word of life. 
And after this marvelous encounter, after these wonderful days of teaching, where many more believed Jesus in Jesus, he says, they, it says that the town, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Wow, what a ministry. If that was all of her ministry, we don't really need to know the rest. She's been responsible for all these people coming to Jesus. But what transformed them was that they then heard the words of Jesus for themselves. So part of what we've got, part of our job, part of our role is not to be cleverly educated with a wonderful, you know, uh, line of argument, although that can help. It's just to communicate, this guy is amazing. You should listen to him. Why don't you find out what he actually says rather than what you've heard on the BBC? Why don't you actually find out what he said rather than some dried old biscuit of a minister you heard once when you were three? Find out what Jesus actually said in here. And it will probably make you really angry. Because it will challenge you to the core, and then you'll realize, just like this woman, hang on a minute, this is no ordinary man. There's something here that can change life. Because knowing Jesus is not this passive go to church, put something in the offering life. It's about changing. And it's not just about our lives changing. It's about changing others. So often, the church gets trapped in a vision of becoming better and better, better and better Christians. And they're so trapped up in becoming better and better Christians, which is a good thing, by the way, but God does that. They forget that Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, make sure you spend five or ten years becoming a proper Christian before you tell anybody, because you don't want to get it wrong. I think Fotini if that was her name, would have got lots wrong. She knew virtually nothing. And when you talk to people about Jesus, you'll probably get some things wrong. But Jesus just says, yes, they're doing it. Lots of us have been involved in first encounters. You know, the booklet, Making Disciples. It's not about just, oh, this is going through something again, or this is covering this again, or I've done all this before. This is about, I'm going to be equipped through this to help make others disciples that have not had my experience so far. This is a tool that's been placed into my hands that I can now use. Which is why we're all called to ministry. Regardless of how we live our lives, there's a call to the ministry on all of us, because ministry just means service. All of us are ministers. There is the Reverend Justin sat at the back there in his cap and beard. Minister of God. Nice to see you, Reverend. But everybody in this room is a reverend because there is a sense in which Jesus has made you holy. It means to be revered. It means to be honored. And we, well, doesn't the word of God tell us to honor one another? So you're all reverends. You can all turn up next week in a little white collar. Maybe not. <laughs> it was this encounter with Jesus that changed her life, that enabled her to communicate to others. And we think, oh, I won't be able to do it. I won't be able to communicate it. You're already 32 steps along from where she began that day. And you say, oh, people don't want to hear about Jesus. Nobody in Sikor wanted to hear about a Jewish rabbi. 
And then it did, and even if they did, she didn't talk about him being a Jewish rabbi, and she talked about him being a Messiah, which we know she did from what she said, Savior of the world, they wanted to hear that even less. They didn't want anything that was bigging up the Jews. They had a lot of conflict going on there. They knew how to worship God. The Jews said it was a different way to worship God. Everybody was sat in their own ways, and Jesus came and said, I'm the way. Which he says to every kingdom faith, or every Baptist, every Anglican, and every other denomination and flavor and, and, and whatever today. He says, it's not the Baptist way. It's not the kingdom faith way. It's not the Pentecostal way. It's my way. Amen, amen. He could have sung for an answer, Frank Sinatra's song, but he's the only one that can. <laughs> well, just that line anyway. And even then, it's not his way. It's the way of his father. Now, why do I want to, why have I, why have I really bought that? Because it's about this engagement. You know, even, in, even when we gather like this, it's not about, oh, I'm here to just receive something from God. Oh, there's a nice little few notes that Pete's playing on the guitar there. Oh, that's a, that's a good tickle. You know? I love what he was playing this morning. But if all we get from it is, oh, I'm deeply touched spiritually, then stop. Because it's supposed to draw us into an encounter with God because it's only people who encounter Jesus that change the world. You don't need an MA or a BA, although we're working, I've worked hard, you're working very hard to get it. All you need is this lady's qualification over here. She's got a BWJ, a being with Jesus. That's her qualification. She's met with him and she's going to make Jesus known. Has Karina always perfectly communicated the love and acceptance of Jesus in her life around her? Probably not. Neither have I. Have you? But don't let failure push you down. Don't let the labels push you down. Don't let what people say push you down. Don't let anything push you down. Let the Word of God push you up. One of the we, last weekend, as you know, we were, uh, Kate and I, Kate's not too well today, but Kate and I were down in, so she's at home, but we were down in Horsham because it was Pastor Collins' 80th birthday. You saw him here last October. He was a mere youngster of 79 when he was preaching all the way through that weekend. Do you know that weekend he came after, at 79? He'd been preaching all week in, in, uh, in meetings, all week at the Bible College. They then drove up here and he preached most of the weekend at our conference as well, and he's 79 years old. There's something within him that says, I can't stop. And it's because he's been with Jesus. He's got the BWJ as well. He knows what it is. He wants to communicate to people and he can't stop. When, when, when a new generation of leadership has, been, has sort of been coming onto the scene, especially in the early days, you know, they'd be, they'd be ready to do something. And Pastor Colin would be there first. Because he got something within him. And they'd be thinking, I thought it was my turn. And he's preaching the word because it was so in him. There's a passion. It's still there. And they were in this birthday party we had on the Sunday night. It was full of people. It was like a, it was like a I don't know, going back to school almost. It was like a, the yearbook of all the people that you'd encountered over the years. But all of them had one thing in common. They'd met with Jesus... But it had come often through Pastor Colin doing the Fotini job. But once you've got that word, you've got to engage. When you're in worship, you can't just 
Yeah, just think, oh, that's good. There has got to be, and there was. I could hear, I could hear it behind me. But I, I'm encouraging all of us to fully participate in that. Imagine if Fototini, no, not Fototini, that's a name I just made up, Fotini, imagine if she, it's the same Greek word, photo, pho, um, imagine if she had just thought, that was a great message, I feel so much better. And after her encounter with Jesus, she'd skipped home with her water buckets and been a bit happier with her kids and thought, wasn't that great? Do you know what? In about two weeks' time, I don't think there would have been much difference going on in her life because it hadn't been given just to make her feel happy. Though it does. It had been made, it, she had had that encounter with the Word that she would change the lives of others. And that in itself would bring the healing and everything else that she needed. Because this woman, at the moment, she was calling the village or the town of Sikor to come and meet with Jesus. She wasn't completely fixed through everything she'd been through. She'd have had all kinds of issues. But God worked through her despite issues. But it would have been doing what she was called to do, not what she thought she would like to do, not doing something because it met needs in her own life, but doing it because she thought Jesus was amazing. As a servant, not trying to get... Because another step people make is they try and be ever so helpful or they try and do things, but actually they're trying to meet needs in their own life of wanting to be accepted. It's a very subtle one, isn't it? Fallen into that one myself. You think you're being a really good servant of God because you're helping. I've done this. But all you're actually trying to do is meet needs in your own life of wanting to be loved and accepted. It's a sneaky one, that one. Don't let the enemy get you with that one. And the thing is, what you're doing can look identical. But one, I want to make the name of Jesus known, I love Jesus, has a very different heart motivation to that one, which you probably don't even realize half the time because the heart is deceptive, that's actually saying, I want to help this person or I want to communicate this because I want them to acknowledge that I'm helpful to them. I want to be needed. I want to be accepted. Watch out for that one. All of us watch out for that one. So easy to walk into. And of course, you feel good. You're serving. I don't know why you walk like that when you're serving, but you're serving. The most annoying rebukes from, from God himself are when he rebukes you for doing something you thought was good. And he says, yeah, but what's in the heart? Now, don't get yourself tied in knots about it. Just ask the Holy Spirit to show you, and then it's just a repentance, and you just, change, you just allow the Holy Spirit to change the motivation. But once your motivation is the heart motivation is because you love Jesus rather than because you love yourself, it's when it brings so much freedom and healing as it's supposed to. Now, I've got something else to say to you. Are you still with me? Good. Uh, we're coming into a new season, okay? Uh, Pastor Colin had a, a word for us as Kingdom Faith Yorkshire, though I think it's over Kingdom Faith as well, but it was when he was praying for, they, we were all praying for one another, but they were praying for me and Kate, and there were several things he said, but one thing I'll share right now was he said that we as a church over the past couple of years have been through a cross experience, a death experience, a hard experience, if you like. But he said, what comes after the cross 
is you get out of the tomb, the grave clothes are removed because it's resurrection time. And we are moving into resurrection time. Are you ready? We were born ready. <laughs> it's coming. We're in it. Let's not accept anything else. Let's not take any label the world gives or even other Christians or anything. Let's take what God says. And he says you're a new creation. We were singing it earlier or something in with it. A new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone. The new has come. It's not just a ditty, it's truth. You know, it's like it's saying, I'm not having that old. It's crept back up on me again. I'm living in the new. Jesus says, put, or, or the gospel, uh, Paul, on behalf of Jesus, uh, Paul writes that we are to put on the new man. There's, there's something active. It's like, yes, I'm putting this on. There was, there's a whole range of deception. And there's, there's truth in this, this deception that says you, you mustn't put a mask on. No, but you must put on who you are in Christ. You don't just wallow in self-pity and, and, and feeling miserable. I'm not talking about this genuine issues and problems and things going on, but sometimes we just choose to stay there. When Jesus says, will you please put on that robe of righteousness? I don't think he says it like that because he's a bit more patient. But it's like, put on who you are. You are not rejected by God. You are not un... Oh, no, that's somebody else's. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but things are a little uncertain right now. We seem to have left part of the family over in the continent. And we're on our own. Brexit has happened in, in, in terms of a legal change. And there's, what's going to happen next? Half the nation are partying all night. This is what they wanted. And the other half are feeling pretty fed up because it wasn't what they wanted. But the reality is we're there. So there's all that uncertainty. What are we going to do? Then we get on the news again and again and again and again. Oh, there's a virus, the coronavirus, that has broken out in Wuhan. But Chinese people are all over the world, and it keeps popping up. The latest outbreak uh, was on, flicked up on my phone this morning. There's another case in New York. You know, it's, 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 there's going to be a lot more cases, isn't there, all over the world. The temptation of everybody is to panic and worry and be concerned. I'm not saying don't be concerned, but it can dominate you. What are we going to do about this? Where, where are we going to get some help on this? Yeah, I know you've been to Sunday school and you know the answer's <laughs> Jesus. In Sunday school, the child was asked, what's large, grey, and has a trunk and four legs? And the child sits there saying, well, sounds like an elephant, but Jesus! Because the answer is always Jesus in Sunday school. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. I only preached from this a couple of weeks ago, and God took me back again, and I, lo I looked at it on a Thursday night as well. There's something here God wants to communicate. It's not about my words. It's, not a, it's about hearing God in this for each one of us. So I've just got something different, I think, from this just to round up where I'm at. 
And uh, it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's an important message because it's there in the God, through, through the Gospels, this feeding the five. And of course, he also feeds the 4,000. In Matthew, he actually talks about the two incidents. Uh, he says, don't you remember when I, read the five th- I, I fed the 5,000 and I fed the 4,000? And Jesus, in this story, feeds 5,000 uh, men and all the women and all the children on top of that. And, you know, it's not long after that, they're facing another situation of a huge crowd. And he's saying to his disciples, what are we going to do about this? And, again, they don't know what they're going to do about this. And you sort of think, disciples, look back in the book. Oh, no, they didn't have that. Remember what we did a little while ago? We just had some bread, a small amount, and Jesus broke it, and we fed 5,000. What on earth are they doing saying to Jesus, how can we feed 4,000 when they've just experienced the 5,000? Well, what on earth are we doing saying, God, I don't know if I've got enough money for this when we've seen his provision again and again before? It's the same thing. It's like, just look back a couple of chapters in your life and see God provided for that. God provided for that. There was the miracle of provision. And so... Why, are we get, why, why do we get worried about provision or anything else from God when if you've been alive in God for more than a week or two, you've already got some stories? And if you haven't really got any, hang around a few people here and, uh, and find out a few just to encourage you. You are, a, you, you, you are created for an amazing testimony of what God is doing in your life. Whoever you are. We're all Fotinis in this room. We've all got a story that can change a town. But back to the 5,000. So here, at least, they haven't had the experience of the, four, uh, the five, because this is the five. That was the four. This is the five. If you're following me, you're clever. Now, Jesus looked up, it says here, on the, they're on the side of Galilee, uh, and saw a great crowd coming towards him. And he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Now, it does actually say, John, in retrospect, has some insight. Doesn't seem to be any mention that he had the insight at the time. But in retrospect, he says, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Well, there's a boy here with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go amongst so many? So, Philip says, actually, he actually said 200 denarii, which is about eight-month wages. So, he says this amount. Jesus says, where will we get uh, the food to eat, for these people to eat? Philip tells him, an answer that is not the answer to the question that Jesus has actually asked. He's thinking about how. Well, we're going to have to, how will we do this? What's the solution? We're going to need this provision. We're going to need this money. We're going to need, that's 200 denarii. We'll never be able to afford what's going to go now. And Philip's absolutely right. They don't have that cash at hand. And if they're going to go and catch fish and get coins out their mouths, that's going to be some fishing expedition to get enough money And by that time, the people are going to be very hungry, and they might as well have just ate the fish that they caught. But Philip is quite right. What He's saying, it's just too much. But he didn't listen carefully to the question, which was, 
Jesus and God, when he talks to you, you'll find he's just like that. You have to be very careful to what words he actually uses. He's dead sneaky. Jehovah sneaky. Yep, got away with it. Right. <laughs> he says where? Well, from heaven, from his Father. He says, I only ever do what the Father tells me to do. I only ever do what I see the Father doing. Where does Jesus get everything from? Heaven. He, he might even be, uh, I, I think it's probably highly likely because he is the Word after all. He's probably even thinking back to Psalm 121 because there he is outdoors surrounded by hills. And Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? I mean, it's the idea of looking up because some, you're just hoping for the cavalry to come over the hills or the equivalent of the cavalry to come over the hills. You need something to come over the hills because things are getting desperate. We're always going to have things going on where we're looking for the cavalry to come on in. And this psalm asks the question, where does my help, where I lift my eyes to the hills. And it's very easy, like Philip, I lift my eyes to the purse. I lift my eyes to our, uh, our provision. I lift, I lift my eyes to what we've got already. And here, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, not the hills. The maker of heaven and earth. You've got to look to Jesus. As we go into a world full of Brexit and coronavirus and all the other personal stuff that's going on, where does our help come from? They're absolutely right, this senior leadership guys here on the front, these, these people who've been around, they said, Jesus! It's true. Where does our help come from? From heaven. There is a divine solution. It's so easy to think this is impossible. It's supposed to be. The Christian walk, the walk with God, is one of impossibility. That's why God said, it's going to be impossible without me, but nothing is impossible with me. And when we try and work out the possible, we often end up in trouble because we walk away from faith. Where does my help come from? Is that too spiritual? No, that's what we're supposed to be. It's also not an excuse for laziness. It's not a, where does my help come from? Oh, it's God, it's fine, he'll sort it, I don't need to do anything. Because God rarely, though he does, rarely does something without any human involvement. Because he honors us. And he wants to work with us. We are called as, he says, you're my friends. I'm going to tell you what we're doing. We're going to do this together. It says that we are co-workers. We're going to work with Christ. It's like when we walk down the street, Jesus is walking with us. Isn't that amazing? Fotini had got it. Fotini went back to that town of rejection to those people that didn't listen to her. I mean, she was a woman too. She, to be publicly telling people stuff. The, the fact that they listened is amazing. In the culture she was in, she wasn't supposed to go around instructing men, let alone as a woman who was regarded badly. But she does it. 
And here at the message of feeding the 5,000, Jesus is saying exactly the same thing again to his disciples this time. Where does your help come from? Philip tries to work out how much it's going to cost. Andrew, he's almost got it. I, I say he's like another step along because he finds the bread. You've heard me say this so many times, but we've got to keep realizing it. It's not enough. So he finds the bread. There must be some element of faith as he tells Jesus, we've got five loaves and two fish here. But that's not enough. No, it's never enough. What we have in our hands is not enough. We don't have what is needed for the times we live in. We don't in our hands. But what we do have in our hands, if we look to the Father, if we look to God, multiplies to be more than enough. You see, we never have enough, but when God gives, you've got 12 basketfuls left over. How do you step into that abundance? You start stepping into that encounter with Jesus. Not, I'm not just talking about an encounter in the worship here, though it certainly includes that in our gathering. It's about your daily walk with God. First encounter is about if you've been through the book or you're waiting to go through the book, you're learning scriptures. Why are you learning scripture? Because it's about feeding on that word. It's about getting it inside you because it's that word that truly makes you healthy. Not just hearing a preacher. All I can do right now is like lay out the table of good stuff, but you've got to feed on it. If, nothing, if you do nothing with what's spoken here in this place, if you do nothing with what you read in here, it will not make you well. It might make you smile, it might make you feel a little bit happy, but it won't actually change your life, empower your life, and empower you to change lives around you. You've got to be feeding on this. You think, I don't understand it. No, that's because what you have in your hands is not enough. But if you say, I look to my Father, I look to heaven, then you will understand things in here you thought you'd never understand. You will understand better than some international theologians that are trying to work it out in their heads with a marvelous intelligence because you will get it direct from the Holy Spirit. This is not a dead little book. People sometimes mockingly say Christians have just got this old book that they worship. No, this, this is not a book. This is life. This is energy. This is power. And it's not, it's not just that they are inspiring words. You can, you can buy a, and read a book by an inspiring author and feel like, really motivated to move on. It's not that. Although it can be very motivating. It will physically, spiritually feed you. When we are sick, how do we get well? We feed on the Word. It's why we also take communion. It's an enactment of feeding on Jesus, who is the Word. He says, I am the Word of God. He also says, I am the bread of life. You've got to eat bread. It's, you, you could have 52 loaves in your kitchen and starve to death unless you actually eat one. Gluten-free if you need it. They're all sitting there, and, you, and you're starving. And you're really hungry. And maybe you even die of hunger. It doesn't matter how many loaves are in the kitchen if you don't eat them. And, and, and you, can cry, you can cry and say, my life 
It's terrible. This is not working out. This is not happening. Well, life is a challenge. But are you eating the very thing that will change it? And eating requires some effort. I mean, I happen to like it. I don't know about you. But, but eating does require effort. You have to set time aside for it. I bet you willingly set time aside every day to eat stuff. Yeah? Anyone here not bothered for the past two weeks? Too much fuss? Even if it was just a Snickers bar, you still had to buy it out of your resources. You still spent something on it, and then you ate it. Unless you've got a peanut allergy, and then that probably wasn't a good idea. But you have to do something to get food inside you. You can have 52 translations of the Bible on your shelf. It will do you nothing. It's not magic. Holding this to my chest will not heal me. There's nothing spiritual in the ink and paper and a little bit of cover that this is made from. Nothing. It's the word itself particularly when it's spoken, particularly when it's going around your mind. The Lord says to Joshua, do not let this book of law, that's what he's got, but the book, depart from your mouth. In other words, never let it stop coming out of your mouth. Never stop speaking it. But says the Lord, meditate upon it day and night. What does meditate mean on it? Well, it means memorizing it. It means thinking about it. It means praying it over your life. It means feeding on it. But meditate upon it day and night, and then you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. Very wise instruction. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth, but meditate upon it day and night. Day and night. Why? Because it's like food. If you try to live your life with one big meal at one o'clock every day, it's not great health-wise. You'll probably still live. You'll probably still get everything you need, but you won't be healthy as if you're regularly eating because our bodies are made for regular eating. Also, if you eat a load of rubbish, that makes you unhealthy. Because sometimes instead of feeding on this, the only feeding we're getting is social media, or soaps, or even documentaries, intelligent, educational ones. They won't feed you like this. The people are faced with a problem. They've got nothing to eat. And Jesus says, where? Where's it going to come from? Where will we get it? And the disciples try and work it out. Andrew... Well, I got this. You've never got enough to meet the problems, to deal with life. There's never enough in your hands. You have to look to the Father, and He will ensure you have more than you need in abundance. Amen? This is the word for us now. Where does your help come from? Do you, if you've got an issue, try and find an answer on TikTok? Do you scour Instagram 
Do you share your problem extensively on Facebook? What do you think is going on? You're eating bad food. I'm not saying you don't tell anybody. We are here to support one another. But Facebook's a terrible forum to share anything negative. You don't know where it's going to end up anyway. Or any of the others. Or Twitter. What are you truly feeding on? And yeah, like you spend time preparing food. I mean, going to the supermarket, we've forgotten that that's a massive convenience. And now it's an inconvenience. Or maybe you have yours delivered. And so that was a massive convenience. It all comes to my door. Now it's an inconvenience that you have to unload it and put it in your house. <laughs> then you have to put it all in your cupboards. And then you've got to cook those Brussels sprouts that you so desire. You've got to cut them all up. You've got to get all those outside bits of leaves off. You've got to put the little cross in the bottom so they cook on the inside. You will love those Brussels sprouts. I know it's Brexit and everything, but we can still eat them, even though. <laughs> and you, then you've got to get a pot of water from somewhere. You've got to go all the way to the tap. You know, poor Fotini, she had to walk through a village. But we just go to a tap, put the pan of water on the stove, turn the gas on, or the electricity, or whatever you use. <laughs> And then you have to wait for the water. And you have to put the beautiful, lovely sprouts into the water. And then you have to wait for them to cook a bit. And you have to decide, do I want them hard? Do I want them munchy? Do I want them soft? Do I want them at all? Looking at a lot of your faces, the, question, the answer was the last one there. And finally, your plate of Brussels sprouts is ready. Because you can't be fussed to do other stuff as well. That's just too much effort. So your dinner tonight is Brussels sprouts and brown sauce. <laughs> you go and get the brussel and the sauce you've got to hit the bottom because it's one of those old glass ones that, and you finally feast upon your brussel sprouts and brown sauce but even that rather meager meal that most of you are going to took effort so why are we surprised that we have to have loaves and fishes it's no good just saying, God, sort it, God, sort it, God, sort it. That's a good start. It's always good. One of my favorite prayers is, God, help, God, help, God, help. It's a good place to begin, but you've got to bring this into it. I mean, if you've not got a Bible in your house, get one. And if you say, I can't afford it, then you've probably got a phone. Just download a free one. It's amazing. This can be had for free. Come all those who are hungry and eat without money. You can actually do it now. But you're going to have to eat it. You're going to have to do it. And it's not just once a week. Imagine you only had a bowl of cornflakes once a week. Well, it's, there are some benefits. But <laughs> you've got, we've, got to be, we've got to be regular. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel says, move on. I'm not going to move on. I'm going to go back to... I'm going to finish, actually, <laughs> Nigel. Um, Psalm 121, and then we're going to pray for our street angels, and then we're going to finish today. Because we're going to commission street angels today, 
And I can tell you now, they've been through their training, and they're a marvelous bunch just for volunteering. You know, and uh, we, we're, we're, we're blessed that some of the new uh, angels, street, community, youth, angels, uh, are here with us this morning. Yeah. We are. It's, it's great to have you here, particularly those of you that don't normally come here on a Sunday. You've made a special effort, especially those of you who were out last night and then had to get up this morning. Thank you. It's great to have you here. We, we just want to bless you. But what you have in your hands right now, if we're honest, is not completely enough. If you really want to step into the fullness of what God has for you, then acknowledge that what you have in your hands in terms of your skills and training that you've had is not enough to meet what's out there. It's where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And step onto the streets knowing that God is with you. In fact, he's already out there. I think sometimes he gets a bit fed up hanging around in churches because he loves being on the streets. He loves being in people's homes. You know, he's, he's not confined to old buildings or even modern buildings. God's out there. If, we, if ever we communicate uh, the love of God to people, he's there already. Saying, yes, they're doing what I asked. They're being a fotini. There's got to be some fotinis. Well, these street angels are going to be fotini. What does fotini mean? It means illumination. It means light. It's going and being light on the streets. It's, it's, we're here to help, says the street angel. It's... Another tagline of the, of the angels is, if you need, the full tagline is, if you need help, we're there for you, or we're here for you. It also says, taking the practical love of Jesus Christ to our community. They don't just want a love that says, oh, I'll pray for you. People need help. They need our hands. But if we just do it in our strength, it will wear us out. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Even if you're not sure, some of you new angels, whether you're walking in a relationship with him, you can still ask him for help in what you do. And he'll help. He'll help and he'll show himself to you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.